know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 179. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, and this month we celebrate Juneteenth. On June 19, 1865, nearly two years after President Lincoln emancipated enslaved Africans in America, Union troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, with news of freedom. More than 250,000 African Americans embraced freedom by executive decree in what became known as Juneteenth, or Freedom Day. It's celebrated with public readings of the Emancipation Proclamation, singing traditional songs that slaves sang, reading poetry such as that of Maya Angelou, and of course, street fairs, cookouts, and family reunions. And I don't know if you know this, but if you are literally or metaphorically invited to the cookout, you are indeed very cool with Black people. The saying is, hey, you're invited to the cookout. But the question is, should we celebrate Juneteenth? Our work is clearly not done. This was a question posed to me by my good friend, David Corliss, a white man whose lineage dates back to the time of slavery in which his family served as abolitionists. And it's an important question because what ended was the legal sanction by the US government for people to own slaves. One definition of slavery, depending on where you find it, is the practice or system of owning slaves. The U.S. outlawed that practice. Another definition is a condition compared to that of a slave in respect of exhausting labor and restricted freedom. I don't know if we've reached that one. That's debatable. Given the more recent recognition, at least, of the unjustifiable shootings of Black people in the U.S. by police. And while slavery technically ended, Black lives still suffered death and a poor quality of life because of their Blackness. So why is it important to say Black lives matter? To say Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that we discount other lives. It means that we have to bring these lives up to be on par with other lives, right? I like to give the analogy, I may have said this on the podcast before, but the body brilliantly and divinely designed understands that every part of the body is important. So if 
my left arm is ailing, then my right arm, my two legs, all send healing to the left arm. Because we know in order to operate optimally, healing has to go where it's needed. And so when the left arm is hurt, the right arm doesn't say, well, look, right arms matter. The body doesn't say bodies matter. They know to send healing to the left arm. So when we say Black Lives Matter, we mean the life is not of quality when we look across the population. So let's let's take a look. We talk about health care still in this country. More Black babies die before birth or still uh, mothers die in birth delivering Black babies. We know that in some parts of the country, particularly where I am in Ohio, that our Black baby birth rate, our mortality rate, I should say, is disproportionately high. In fact, it's on par with the birth rates of mothers in Botswana, on par with a third world country. Despite the fact that we have three multi-million dollar hospital systems located in my community. In fact, there's some research that says if you are African and you come into the U.S. and you have a baby, your birth outcomes are on par with white Americans. But you stay in the country 10 years, your birth outcomes begin to match African-Americans' birth outcomes. I want to break into the podcast and let you know that many people believe that all youth have the same or similar risk for human trafficking. Not true. There are some youth that are at higher risk for various reasons. If you want to know who's at high risk, go to my website, CeliaWilliamson.com, and pick up my free assessment tool. It's easy to use, easy to score. And it's been validated to tell you which youth between 12 and 17 years old is at risk. CeliaWilliamson.com, look for the HT Risk Assessment Tool. And now, back to the podcast. We know, at least in Ohio, a white woman without a high school diploma has a higher chance of giving birth that to a child that is healthy than a black woman with a college degree. That's according to the Ohio Minority Health. Black teens have higher rates. Black black children, black teens have higher death rates. Also, Native American children and teens. When we look at black health across the lifespan, we see disproportionately more chronic conditions, more diabetes, more hypertension, more asthma. In fact, African-Americans are more likely to die at early ages from all causes. This is from the U.S. Vital Statistics. Some people die before they even get to cash their first Social Security check that they paid into all of their lives. That's the healthcare system. So let's look at the educational system. 
There are racial disparities in school discipline. Black students are three to four times more likely than their white peers to be expelled or to face multiple suspensions from school. And of course, the more you're outside of school, the less likely you are to learn and be able to pass classes. Also, Black boys are disproportionately more likely to be diagnosed ADD or ADHD and medicated or removed from the classroom and put in special needs classes. Once you go into special needs classes, the likelihood that you graduate high school drops dramatically. Overall, Black children are less likely to graduate than white children, also Native Americans as well. There's the prison to pipeline that Blacks are 3.8 times more likely to receive out of school suspensions, two or three more times likely to get involved with law enforcement or have the school connect them to law enforcement than white students. As a result, Black students suffer more trauma. And we know that one in every three Black boys can be expected to be sentenced compared to one in 17 white boys. That's the criminal justice system. The educational system is political. Who gets to be the heroes in our social studies books, in our history books? And who doesn't appear as heroes in those books? We know African-Americans and whites use drugs at similar rates, but the imprisonment of, of African-Americans for drug charges is six times higher. One in five Americans interacts with law enforcement yearly. Of those encounters, one million result in the use of force. And if you're Black, you're two to four times more likely to have force used against you than if you're white. Let's look at politics. Still very much dominated. 78% of whites occupy political seats compared to 22% non-whites. That includes all ethnic groups in the U.S. 22% occupy political seats. Let's look at the economic system. Black people experience higher rates of poverty, 32% are still in poverty. Um, they experience the highest cost burden for their housing, for electricity, for gas, for all the things. 44% have a higher cost burden than they should. Same with Native Americans. So what we see is at higher risk before birth, at higher risk during childhood, at higher risk during adulthood, at higher risk with chronic illnesses at old age. So when we say Black Lives Matter, it's not just about criminal justice and what's happening in that one system. It cuts across systems. So what about the issue of human trafficking, also known as modern-day slavery? Well, many of us have used the term modern-day slavery to describe human trafficking. The term recently has come under fire by some anti-trafficking advocates. Some people use it to define human trafficking. 
and some people do not. Here's what the National Survivor Network has to say about the matter. Using modern slavery is not recommended to describe human trafficking. The history of slavery began in 6800 BCE and is currently diluted for the benefit of sensationalized media. This is an affront to the generational trauma of slavery. The phrase white slavery was coined in Europe in 1885 to crack down on prostitution and shut down brothels owned and operated by women who were not adhering to societal standards of, quote, acceptable, unquote, behavior. This puritanical assumption of morality was being pushed at a time when slavery was still happening, unchecked across the globe, just 20 years after the Emancipation Proclamation in the U.S. The conceptual confusion between human trafficking and modern slavery is used to reinforce and advocate for goals with a language that's emotive, metaphorical, and vague. Black members of the National Survivor Network have raised objection to the use of slavery being conflated to erase chattel slavery still happening in Libya. The deafening silence on chattel slavery in Africa while pushing modern slavery and anti-prostitution bus speaks volumes to the moral panic and erasure of slavery. You know, words hold power. And so do the voices of survivors. I will choose to listen and not use the term any longer if it means I dishonor historic slavery that happened in this country. But we do know, as they pointed out, that slavery does happen in other countries, and we can't turn a blind eye to that. So, whether you choose to celebrate Juneteenth or not, that's also your choice because your voice is important. But remember that we are to lift up the voices of those with lived experience. So keep that in mind. So here's to you, Black people and fellow honorary Black people and Black supporters. Enjoy the barbecue if you are celebrating, the potato salad, the baked beans, the corn on the cob soaked in butter, the fried chicken, the cornbread, the pineapple upside down cake, the watermelon, and all of the old other favorites that we have around the dinner table when we celebrate as Black people. Now, how do you know the food is a hit? Well, because it is planned very carefully by the women in the family. Food is very important in the Black community. And then, you know, how else you know is because at the end of the day, people are making their plates to take home so they can eat later. And here's to the songs the old folks would play at the barbecue once they, of course, wrestle the music away from the young people. Temptations, Curtis Mayfield. Maze, featuring Frankie Beverly, of course, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Marvin Gaye, and all the greats. And if the party is big enough, then everybody starts doing the electric slide. Then after a drink or two, 
the crowd might get into the cha-cha slide. When the group starts doing the wobble, you know that somebody is going to need a designated driver. But you also know that the party was a huge success. And whether or not you're officially Black or honorarily Black, you will feel full, welcomed, and loved by the time you leave. Until next time, the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.